Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to episode 73 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we are going to be sitting down and having a chat with legal thriller author Mark M. Bello. It's coming up in just a few minutes, so stay tuned. You don't want to miss out on his incredibly thrilling chapter. So like I said, this is the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. The hope is that you will find a new favorite author and book from one of these episodes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out each week whenever it comes on. And don't forget to also go back and check out the backlist because we have more than 70 authors now. Reading sample chapters, you are sure to find one or two or five books that are new favorites guaranteed so make sure you uh, check them out if you find some that you do like share them with your friends and don't forget that after you've read their books go in and leave a review that way everybody knows what you think of it and you know if you want to you can tell everybody that you found this book because of the sample chapter podcast that would be pretty cool (laughs) hey if you want to reach out to me you can do so through email yeah, that is usually the best way. Uh, you can reach me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We post all the time on those social media networks. And, of course, the YouTube channel will have the artwork for the book that is being read each week. You can go on there and check out what the book cover looks like as the author is reading. It's a uh, it's a nice little addition to the show, and it's growing in popularity, Hey, I also want to say a huge heartfelt thank you to all of you listeners out there who last week, um, you know, I asked for some prayers. I asked for some thoughts over a friend of mine who's going through um, very severe cancer treatment right now, had some not so good news last week. And, you know, you guys are incredible. I I received so many wonderful, uh, kind words and thoughts and prayers from you. And apparently it's working because the most recent prognosis is not as grim as last week. Uh, In fact, it's actually pretty positive news uh, this week. So what you're doing is working. Thank you so much. You guys are incredible and I love you. (laughs) Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I also want to say thank you to a couple of new countries that we've uh, got some listeners in over in Iceland and in France. Uh, That's a really cool thing. The show is now being listened to regularly by people in 16 countries. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. I just, it just blows my mind. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much Uh, for France. uh, All of you out there listening to the show, I say merci. Merci. I'll say it right here one of these days. Merci. And uh, for those of you in Iceland, I say Thank you, because I don't know how to say thank you in Icelandic. So, <laughs> hey, maybe maybe one of you out there, maybe one of the listeners, if you know how to say thank you in Icelandic, reach out to me at the email, samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com, and let me know. And if you do that, I will thank you specifically, your name on the air, on that next show. So reach out to me and let me know how to say thank you. <laughs> We're going to do that. Speaking of thanks, I would be remiss if I didn't go ahead and thank our sponsors. I want to thank you, Store All, for having been with us all along, all the way back to the beginning. If you are in the Warrensburg, Missouri area and you are seeking out self storage, look no further than you, Store All, with two 
fully fenced in and gated facilities. They have everything you need when it comes to self-storage. There is climate control, non-climate control. They have uh, almost 70 cameras now running 24 hours a day and backed up to DVR. It's a green facility, meaning they are also running off of solar power and using LED lighting. It, the place, both places look like ball fields at night. I mean, it's amazing how bright those LED lights are. Anyway, like I said, if you are in the Warrensburg area, if you're coming to the Warrensburg area, you know, some military people out there around the world, if you're going to be coming to Missouri, to Whiteman Air Force Base, look no further than ustoreall.net for your self-storage needs. That is spelled the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. I also want to thank my friends over at Pop Goes the Culture. Uh, they are coming back from vacation. And a bunch of their shows have been hitting the air. I've been really enjoying listening to their Alamo Draft House each week, coming back on and, and uh, movie news. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, of course, uh, my, some new friends over at the uh, Back in Time podcast is a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So make sure if you're looking for any kind of geek culture uh, news, articles, anything along those lines, and not to mention a bunch of great podcasts. Make sure you follow the link in the show notes for popgoesterculture.com and check out everything they have to offer. Of course, last but not least, very special in my heart, I want to say thank you to Scribner Writing Software. You're going to hear an ad from them here in just a moment, but I, I've got to say a thank you to them. I love this software. I've It's been so great this past week or two. I've been doing some more writing, a uh, little bit of new writing in the morning, and then getting some editing in on my new book. I'm hoping, I'm shooting for August now for a release date on my newest book, and I tell you what, the editing process is just so much easier on Scrivener. Stay tuned for their ad, and don't forget, if you're interested in the best writing software that there is, use code CHAPTER whenever you're checking out and save yourself 20% off the desktop version. Well, this week our guest is Mark M. Bello. He is a former trial lawyer out of Michigan, the award-winning author of legal thrillers. His Zachary Blake series has uh, so far spawned three books with a fourth coming soon, uh, looking like it's going to be this year that the next one comes out. Mr. Bello was so wonderful to talk to. We were talking about writing fiction, identifying the main protagonist in your story, and especially we spent a good long portion of the interview discussing the real-life inspirations for his books as a former trial lawyer himself. And of course, you know, we've, we've had quite the interesting political climate the last few years, uh, so there's been a lot of really great inspirations for these books. You know, one of the things I really like about these books is that, uh, and, and, and with speaking with Mr. Bella, was that because they are, you know, quote, ripped from the headlines, inspired, hopefully if you pick up one of these books and you read it, maybe it uh, will inspire you to have a discussion. You know, maybe it'll promote discussion amongst people to talk about, you know, important subjects, something that's yeah, you because know, these are legal thrillers. There's a wrong being done within them. And sometimes we don't always talk about them. So conversation amongst everyone, regardless of what your political leanings are, it doesn't matter. Uh, what's important is that we always have open conversation amongst ourselves, you know, because... I, I, listen to me, I'm getting political here. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. So I will just say what's important, communication amongst all of us. 
you know, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I would go as far as to say 98% of Americans are not politicians. We're just people trying to get through our lives, provide for our families, and we're working for a living. We all have a common ground to stand on and that that's what we're trying to do. And I, I think Mr. Bellow's books are a very good way to open up those lines of conversation. And hey, well, you know what? What is something we all agree on? Well, we all agree on it's not right for a person to be treated a certain way that they shouldn't be uh, because of whoever they are. You know, the, the list goes on. And uh, I'm rambling. So I'm going to go ahead and stop. And let's get us on over to our interview with Mr. Mark M. Bello right after a word from our sponsor. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here, and I'm so happy. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm in a unique uh, position that uh, for the second time this year already, I'm going to get to have a award-winning legal thriller author on the show, and I'm excited to introduce you to him. His name is Mark Bello. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Nice to be here. Uh, it's wonderful having you. I'm so happy to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, I practiced law in Michigan for 42 years. I'm a tr trial lawyer. If you don't know what that is, that's a person who either handles criminal trial work or civil trial work, as opposed to doing wills and estates or something that is more akin to paper or office work. I also own a company that provides financial services to clients. So we essentially help people through the process of litigation by providing them an advance to pay their house payments or their car payments or some uh, serious need that would cause them to resolve their case too quickly for too little money if they didn't get the money they need. Uh, so about 20 years ago, I stopped practicing law full-time and devoted, have devoted my attention to the legal finance or lawsuit funding field over the last 20 or so. But uh, as I got older, uh, I'm now in my 60s, and I've winded, I'm winding down my career. And uh, years and years ago, in the late 80s, I handled a case involving a priest who sexually molested some clients of mine, and uh, I was one of the first people in the country to handle one of those cases. Certainly in Michigan, there's, there's, there were a couple of, of situations that uh, preceded mine, but for the most part, I trailblazed that type of case in Michigan and always said when the case was finished that I would write a book about it. And in the late 90s, I started to put pen to paper and 
write something and then I put it down for a long time, especially when I founded Lawsuit Financial, my finance company, and uh, picked it up in the 2013, 2014 and started writing it more intently and came up with the novel Betrayal of Faith, which is my first novel. And that's a kind of a thumbnail sketch of my legal background that led me up to uh, becoming a novelist. Yeah. Well, has writing been something that you were always interested in, or was this kind of a a whim based on that initial inspiration? Well, I I have a degree in English literature. Hmm. I I wouldn't say that uh, I've always, quote, wanted to be a novelist, unquote, but that experience had a profound impact on me, and I I always felt that it was a a story that was worth telling. Mm -hmm. The level of public awareness of child molestation in the clergy has kind of exploded. My initial reason for wanting to write a book was to expose these people. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second, uh, but that's kind of happened. If you look at uh, the movie Spotlight and, and some other movies that uh, publications, including you know reality, uh, more and more cases are filed. There's a lawyer out there by the name of Jeff Anderson who's rather famous for handling these cases. A good Jeff Anderson story is that uh, when he was first getting involved in becoming the go-to guy for clergy abuse, I got a phone call. He had heard of my case and me and asked me for all of the documents that I had and the depositions, et cetera. So I like to think that I helped Jeff Anderson become Jeff Anderson. <laughs> um, I don't know. He might quarrel with that. Uh, <laughs> it'll be our secret. Um, <laughs> well, you can't argue with, with uh, actual dates. Well, I, this goes back, like I said, to the uh, middle to late 80s. Uh, Jeff is, I can't tell you when he handled his first case, but he's been handling those cases ever since. And he does a terrific job. Uh, that's his thing. Uh, I found that case to be so exhausting, uh, so troubling emotionally, mm. that it, it ended up being the only case of that genre that I ever handled. But it had a profound impact on me, obviously, because 30 years later, I'm writing a book about it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but that, that's the first novel. The second novel, Betrayal of Justice, was written around the time that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were facing off in the 2016 election. And some things were being said on the Trump side that troubled me about whether or not Trump would become the president of the United States or the president of uh, the United White People. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started to write a book about a uh, essentially a bigoted president who wanted to deport uh, all Muslims. And while I, I don't necessarily equate Trump with President Ronald John, my fictional president, uh, I finished the book as uh, Trump was being inaugurated Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of a, here's, here's my book. Here's what I predict would happen if a bigot was elected president of the United States. And unfortunately, a lot of what is predicted in my novel came true in real life. Uh, I still ho- hold out some hope that he's uh, a better person and that he can salvage. salvage I don't know. I, I don't want to piss anybody off uh, <laughs> uh, politi- politically necessarily, but, but I, I, I just have to say that, that As a lifelong Democrat, I've respected and uh, admired multiple Republican presidents and accepted the fact that they were president and did not feel like 
they weren't my president. Somebody who says they're going to deport every person of a particular faith, uh, somebody who wants to build walls rather than bridges, that's not a guy I can wrap my arms around. So betrayal of justice was about the worst possible example of a presidential bigot. And unfortunately, some of that has come true. I'll leave that to the reader to decide how Trump-like President Ronald John is. (laughs) (laughs) The Trail in Blue, the third book, is a a follow-up of The Trail of Justice. Justice introduces a white supremacist element who is inspired by the president's racist rhetoric Mm. and, and bombs a mosque. And it's a story of a young Muslim woman who gets accused of murdering the man who bombed the mosque. Betrayal in Blue essentially follows justice in a, a second white supremacist plot occurs in Blue to release sarin gas in the city of Dearborn, which is also the setting for Betrayal of Justice primarily. And it continues with the theory of white supremacy and, and the, the white supremacist call to action in having a president like that, that kind of supports their way of life. Mm-hmm. So those two books kind of go hand in hand. They One follows the other. Okay. Um, and then I've just written, uh, I just completed my fourth novel, The Trail in Black, which uh, tackles the issue of cop on black shootings and the Black Lives Matter movement. I've got two more books that are also ripped from the headlines type novels and almost completed as well. So Wow. Uh, that's essentially where, where I'm at. Zachary Blake, my trial lawyer, is a compilation, I would say, of, of me. And, uh, you know, when you when you practice 42 years, there have been several lawyers uh, along the way who I've seen in action and admired, mm-hmm. been mentored by, who I've mentored, uh, who I've followed or admired. And Zachary is a compilation of, a little, uh, part me, but, but uh, primarily uh, a much more brazen aggressive lawyer than I ever was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the good thing about being an author is you can look back and create a character who, you know, could create be the guy you wanted to be. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zachary gets to say the things you wanted to say then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's a lot, he's a lot braver than I am. <laughs> well, you know, and that, but that's the, the cool thing with, with your books here is that, you know, they're, they're all based, they've got historical event inspirations and settings and uh, people who inspire each one of these. And I think somebody's going to be able to pick up any one of these and so and, and say, I, you know, this seems familiar. I, I remember this. I know what this is kind of like. And, you know, that could really appeal, I think, to a lot of people. And, you know, and going forward, it doesn't really matter how far in, into the future we go, people are still going to be interested in true events like what these are inspired by. Yeah, I, I, I call um, Betrayal in Black uh, Law and Order meets the Red Line. I don't know if you watched the, uh, the CBS series recently about the, uh, the young gay black guy who got shot by a cop. Hmm. Um, it's a pretty interesting series and it, it kind of morphed into a, a tale that is not necessarily like Betrayal in Black because the lawsuit wasn't the focus of the story. But if you take this kind of rip from the headlines type law and order SVU and what have you, where they pull their content out of current events. Uh, my books are like that. And then if you look at this recent Redline CBS miniseries, uh, you'll see the correlation if you, if you, if you read the book. Okay. 
which is not out yet, by the way, but it's coming soon. It's exciting to see that you've got a fourth one ready to come out, and uh, I know you've got a lot of uh, things in development with it, so uh, hopefully it comes out sooner than later. Oh, it'll, it'll be this year, I'm pretty sure. We were discussing this before, was uh, the covers on each of these books. You got the first three, they're, I think they have a clear legal thriller feel about them. And then that fourth one though, and, and people, if you go to the website, markbello.com or markmbello.com, you got to look at these, these books and this particularly book four, this is such an amazing cover. I, I haven't stopped looking at it for almost an hour <laughs> now. <laughs> so this was, this is really cool. This was a local artist who did this for you and we won't even, we don't have to describe anything. I, I, it would be nice to see, hear people's reactions when they see it. But, the, art, uh, the, art, the artist, by the way, let me give a plug, is Dominic yeah. Pangborn, who is a um, Korean-American. He came here when he was 10 years old and got adopted by a, an American family. He was sent here by his mother during uh, the Korean War oh. and uh, was raised by essentially a white American family. And I, don't, I, think, his, I think the Pangborn name comes from the uh, adopted family, not, uh, not the Korean family. Hmm. But he's an interesting guy. Yeah. Does he do a lot of book covers, or is this something he did? No, no. This is this is uh, this was something that was recommended to me by a, a friend who runs an art gallery, and I reached out to him and I said what I, I told him what I was doing, and he came up with that cover, which, as we discussed, has some images in it that let's just say that the reader needs to look very carefully at the cover. <laughs> that's a, that's fair to say. That's fair to say. Yep. And thing and things things that may not appear uh, obvious at on the first glance will come into focus if, the longer you look at it. And and I think as you read it too. True. Uh, it, true. Yeah. True. And then read it and then look at the cover again. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> well, and uh, we were talking before. You've got plans for at least two more in the uh, Zachary Blake series. That is correct. There's a, uh, there's a book uh, that follows Betrayal in Black called Betrayal High, which tells the story of a school shooting from many different perspectives. Mm. Uh, the, uni- the unique thing about that book is that it isn't all about the trauma suffered by the victims of, the, of a school shooting. It tells many stories from many different perspectives. I'm pretty proud of that book. It's, it's quite, a, quite a good novel. And then fi- that book, when you're, when you're a lawyer and you're passionate about the law being a noble profession and you run into a spectacle like the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, uh, and you know, we discussed this kind of off the record, you and I, mm-hmm. about how my books are all essentially from either a personal experience or from a newsworthy event. Supreme Betrayal is the sixth book, and it's about a nominee to the Supreme Court who will essentially do anything to become a Supreme Court justice. Hmm. I don't invoke Judge Kavanaugh's name as being the person, I, I very much like Donald Trump and Ronald John, I don't think Brett Kavanaugh and my Supreme Court justice are, any, are in any way, shape, or form the same person. My guy is evil. He was evil then. He's evil now. He continues to be evil. He will always be evil. Uh, I'm not casting aspersions on Brett Kavanaugh's career or intent uh, to do good as a Supreme Court justice. But I will say that that nomination process was the inspiration for writing the book. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just don't want to confuse people and say that the character of, of Supreme Betrayal is based on Brett Kavanaugh. He's not. 
<laughs> well, it, it was certainly one of the biggest circuses I've ever seen. It was a circus. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, it's people can draw their own conclusions on uh, characters and whatever. But, you I mean, being inspired by something like that or by the election or, you know, even with the betrayal of faith, regardless where an author takes inspiration is is based on the author and you're telling a story and that's what's important and uh hopefully the readers you know take something good from each of these very very much like betrayal of faith is an embellishment of of the the actual case i handled there you go i think i think i think you could argue that all of the books that are based on current events are also quite an embellished portrayal of uh, real-life events. Yeah. Now, is the sixth book, is that going to be the end of the Zachary Blake? And then are you looking uh, well, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't have a seventh yet, so I, so <laughs> I, I, I can't answer that. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I, have as, you... As we, were ta- as we were talking off the record, the, uh, the seventh could be um, abortion in Missouri. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but you know that that I, I'm not going to get into that topic in terms of, of you and I discussing the pros and cons of being pro-life or pro-choice. But it, it's kind of interesting if you if you look at the genesis of of my books, an event like that that becomes a controversial news story mm-hmm. is tends to be what inspires me to write. Yeah. So while while we're kind of kidding about uh, abortion legislation and. Alabama or Missouri or Georgia or any other uh, red state that is kind of leaping on the fact that we now have a red majority in Supreme Court, it does strike me as quite an interesting topic for a, a novel. So it is, it is, yeah. And that's and that's kind of how at least three of my books were born. That's that's wonderful. I think, and, I, and that's one of the things with my self-appointed job as, as host of the show is I love hearing the inspirations behind so many shows that it's not just something that you made up with uh, one or the other. They're embellishments of things that you yourself experienced. And I, I just find that so fascinating. Well, you look at something like Game of Thrones. I mean, most people love Game of Thrones on HBO and, mm-hmm. and are avid watchers of the show. But I, I know very few people who actually picked up the five novels and read them all. Yeah. Uh, I am one of those crazy people <laughs> who actually did that. Ah, I, and, I haven't made it past the first book. I got, <laughs> <laughs> I think I got a chapter into the second one before I thought, oh, I want to read something else right now. <laughs> For your, in case your readers, uh, your uh, listeners don't know, um, each of these books is a thousand page. Uh, yeah, it was a monster. Epic, <laughs> epic monsters. And, and, you know, as an author who, you know, writes a three, 400 page book, a hundred thousand words is long. Seventy thousand words is reasonable. Mm-hmm. These are these are hundreds of thousands of words, completely invented from this gentleman's mind, this George R. R. Martin. And while I am certainly not going to take a back seat to any author in terms of you know, did I write a good book? Did I write six good books? Yes, I did. Uh, am I capable of writing like George R. R. Martin? No, I am not. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different level of uh, talent. What, what, an, what an imagination. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, have you considered going in, a, in another direction at all? Or do you think you'll continue with legal thrillers? Or have you thought about a... Uh, well, uh, yeah, you know, if you look at, if you look at uh, Justice and even Blue, they're much more political cop type stories than they are legal novels, necessarily. They, there's a legal element to them. There's a, there ends up being a legal component and, and uh, uh, a trial. 
uh, or some courtroom maneuvering. But your re- your listeners, if they read the novels, will find uh, there's forensics, injustice, there's commentary about white supremacy in both novels. Uh, there's a plot to release sarin gas and and the thwarting of that plot and the conflict between the FBI and the local police. There's a lot more to it than just writing legal-themed novels, uh, legal thrillers. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of, at their core, there's a client, and those clients' problems in each book are resolved by Zachary Blake. You might find this interesting as a novelist. I got into a discussion with some book professionals, almost a quarrel, if you want to call it that, Mm. about who is the most important character in my books, uh, plural. Mm Mm-hmm. And in most of my books, the client is introduced first, the client's problem is identified, and Zachary is the white knight that essentially is called upon to tackle the problem. So the question is, who is the principal protagonist? And in my books, it's typically the client. And I got into this argument with people about, well, then why are they Zachary Blake thrillers? Well, because Zachary is the glue of all of the books, and he's the problem solver of all of the books, and he's the hero, the ultimate hero of all the books. But in each book, the client and the bad guy, especially in, in Supreme or in um, in Black, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call them more prominent than him, but I, I devote more pages to them than I do to Zachary Blake. So it's kind of interesting. Hmm. Uh, that, that, that was actually leveled as a criticism. I was writing a query for an agent. <laughs> and <laughs> And a person who was uh, critiquing my query said, you don't get to Zachary Blake until the fourth paragraph of the query. You're crazy. And I said, well, uh, that's kind of how the story goes. The incident happens in Black, for instance, uh, which is the topic of betrayal in Black is a cop on Black shooting. And uh, the widow decides, well, let me back up. There's a internal affairs investigation. There's a criminal investigation. And then there's the widow seeking justice for her husband's death and seeking uh, to pursue a civil police brutality wrongful death case. So there's three different issues there. And you get to the uh, civil case, for lack of a better way to say it, last. And that's where Zachary Blake comes in. He's not a criminal lawyer. He's not a prosecutor. So he's not going to handle the prosecution of this cop. He's a, either a criminal defense lawyer or he's a plaintiff lawyer in a tort case. And that part of the story doesn't happen until after some of these other issues are, are brought to the forefront. So one of the criticisms I, get, I got was you introduce your main character kind of far into the novel. And if you, you, know, if you think about the lawyer-client relationship, the client has a problem. The client goes through a lot of things before she gets to the point where she retains a lawyer. And the books basically portray real life. So yes, he comes along on his white horse. <laughs> Later in the process, that maybe some other novelist would introduce their principal protagonist. <laughs> so it, it, it was interesting. I, you know, I never thought of it that way until this person brought that up to me. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think so much of what the author needs to do is to tell the story the way it needs to be told. And whether you're bringing in your main protagonist sooner or later, if it fits, if it works, then, then so be it. And sometimes that, that's, the way, that's just the way it goes. He's introduced. He's just not newsworthy until 
until the civil case presents itself. In the middle two books, uh, in Blue and in, uh, in Justice, he's handling a criminal case. He's not handling a civil case. So he comes along to represent uh, people wrongly accused of crimes. In the um, first, fourth, fifth, and even sixth book, he's representing somebody in more of a civil setting for compensation. The, uh, the sixth book, he represents the young woman uh, this is supreme betrayal I'm talking about. A young woman is raped in her as a high school student. That's where the correlation to the Kavanaugh hearings comes in. And then 20 years later, the Supreme Court justice appointee is this same young man that is accused of rape. So Zachary is the attorney who represents the young lady trying to make sure that the public is aware of who this potential Supreme Court justice is. Now, again, he's evil and <laughs> I, I cast no aspersions on uh, the truth or accuracy of Brett Kavanaugh's version of the facts in his case, but his case uh, and his situation inspired enough. Yeah. Well, Mark, I mean, you, you, you've taken your trial lawyer history as somebody who's always been able to help those who, you know, perhaps can't help themselves and rolled that into a... Um, a future as a, as a novelist who's continued to do that with your stories. You're, you're still sharing these stories of people getting help through your character, Zachary Blake. And I, you know, I wish you all the best. I think these Thank are you. fascinating stories and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see the, the continuing adventures and uh, where, where can people find you and follow you online? I, I have multiple Facebook pages, so you've got to find the right one. But, uh, <laughs> don't ask me why it's, it's, it confuses me. But there's a, there's a Facebook page that is devoted to my books. I think it's Mark Ambello Books. I don't know how Facebook uh, does what it does. Is it at Facebook? or? I think it's like Facebook slash. Okay, so and then, yeah. Facebook slash Mark Ambello Books, uh, and I think you'll find them. I'll make sure the to website. find it, and, and then I'll put the link in the show notes for everybody so they, that way they don't have to. <laughs> there's a uh, Twitter page. It's at Justice Fellow. J-U-S-T-I-C-E-F-E-L-L-O-W. Uh, there's a, I think there's a second Twitter page, at Mark Bellow, or Mark M. Bellow. And then there's a, uh, the website that you refer to, which is Mark, M-A-R-K-M, middle initial, Bellow, B-E-L-L-O.com. And you can buy the books there, or on Amazon.com, or at Barnes & Noble, or uh, any online bookseller should have the books. The um, the updated versions of the books are the ones that have some variation of a legal thriller as kind of a subtitle. So there are more recent corrected versions that are what I would call preferred purchases. All right. I'll make sure and put links to all of these in the show notes so that way everybody can click on these links, get right over to the uh, to his website, and then uh... that would be that would be great. I'd appreciate. It. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking with you, and uh, it's wonderful to have someone with a uh, stimulating political conversation. <laughs> uh, I tried to behave myself. Well, you did wonderful. You did wonderful. Trust me, I've been in much worse. So this was, okay. this was wonderful. <laughs> All right, well, thank you again. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hand the floor over to Mark Bolo with Betrayal in Blue. Right. This is the middle of the book. I, I, I don't think I'm ruining it for anybody, but this is chapter 15. 
but it's an interesting chapter and it kind of sets the tone for what is about to happen to one of the principal characters, the gentleman who is accused of murder and represented by Zachary Blake. And this is essentially the chapter that leads up to why he needs Zachary Blake to represent him. But here we go. Jack walked the boardwalk and reached the White Knight at precisely 7.50 p.m. the following evening. Breitner was there, sitting on the boat deck with four other white guys who looked like vacationing tourists. This group scared the hell out of Jack. You could easily identify Blaine's guys. They looked like white nationalists, but not these Breitner boys. These guys were your next-door neighbors. Wife, 2.5 kids, a dog, a nice car, and a house in the burbs. A conversation was underway, but the men stopped talking as soon as they saw Jack approach. Jack Manning, this is everyone. Everyone, this is Jack, said Breitner. They exchanged greetings, fist bumps all around. Wow, that was quick. We don't fuck around, replied one of the other men. You work for Ford, Jack, one of the men asked. Yep. Now there was a nationalist. I wish he was still around. Who? Henry Ford. Ford, why? Because he hated Jews and loved Hitler, my kind of guy. Yeah, he was a real peach. You disagree? The men eyed him with sudden suspicion. Shahid, listening on the wiretap, squirmed in his seat. I agree with his attitude toward the Jews, got no use for Jews, but Hitler wanted to control the world. He would have attacked the United States. America first. I see what you mean. Hard to argue with that logic. We are discussing a situation, Jack, said Breitner. What kind of situation? Looking to even a score. I'm not sure I understand. No, you wouldn't. I'm not sure what to do with you. What do you mean? Have you ever been in trouble with the law, Jack? Never been caught, if that's what you mean. I stay off the radar. I'm no saint, just never been caught. What's the worst thing you've ever done? Come on, Bert. This is not something I'm comfortable talking about. If you were caught doing whatever it was, would you have gone to prison? Yes. What was it? Shit, Bert, come on. Out with it, Jack. Drugs. Buying or selling? Both. What kind of drugs? Meth lab. How long ago? Long time. I've been on the straight and narrow since I got my degree and went to work. Must have taken a lot of planning to manufacture and sell meth and keep it on the down low. Strategic planning is a specialty of mine. That's most of what I do at work. I basically traded covert planning in the drug world for strategic planning in the corporate world. Good to know. We might need your expertise. Happy to help if I can. What's going on? Revenge, like I said before. We're looking to even a score. Revenge for what? You came clean with me, so I'll come clean with you, said Breitner. A few weeks ago, some of the boys and I planned an event that would have wiped out a whole bunch of cops and a shitload of camo jackets. Shit. Shit is right. Guess where? New York? What city has the most camel jockeys? I'll give you a hint. You work there. Dearborn? Correct. Dearborn. What happened? Nothing. That's the problem. Someone tipped off the cops and the plan was derailed before it got started. Two of my men were killed and the rest were arrested. I'm the only one who got away. Hmm. I didn't hear anything about that on the news. That's because the cops kept it hush-hush. Kept what hush-hush? What do you know about sarin gas? Sarin? Not sure. Wait, isn't that the stuff from Syria where the dictator gassed his own people? That's the stuff. Okay, what about it? We found out there's a large quantity of this stuff right here in the good old USA. 
you're kidding me. I don't have a sense of humor. So what happened? We tried to steal it. Somehow the cops and the feds figured it out. A lot of our guys are going to prison. One got shot. I'm really sorry about your guys, Bert, but what does this have to do with Dearborn? Ever hear of Ben Blaine? Name is familiar, but I can't place it. Jack pretended to search his memory. Involved in the Dearborn mosque bombing last year? Yeah, that was a big deal in Dearborn. Front page news. This Blaine guy was a white supremacist, right? He wanted to kill Muslims and cops. It didn't turn out very well, if I recall. Blaine's a good friend of mine. He's in prison for life. We want revenge for that, too. I don't blame you, but wouldn't you be better off laying low for a while? No, that's what they expect me to do. I want to do the opposite of what they expect. I want my revenge, Jack. And you know Dearborn well. You offered to help. Still interested? If so, here's your chance. I do know Dearborn. Any of you guys come up with anything? No response. Let's continue this on Friday. Stay on topic, man. I need some fresh ideas. Bart rose and the men knew they were being dismissed. They rose and stepped off the boat and onto the dock. Good to meet you, Jack. We'll come up with something, Bert, said one of the men. See you Friday. There'll be hell to pay if you don't, replied Bart, as they walked away, leaving Jack and Brightner alone. Want a beer, Jack? Sure, Bart. Wait, what did you just call me? Bert. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, said Sashid in his room, listening with Noah. No, you said Bart. Why? Bert, Bart, simple mistake, no big deal. It is a big deal. I think you know it is. Why are you getting so bent out of shape over nothing? Don't think so, Jack, not buying it. I knew there was something about you. You're a little too eager to help for my taste. Too many questions and not enough answers. That's why I brought you here and told you all that shit. I wanted to see your reaction. And that's also why I wanted to get you alone. You're a good man, really good. I gotta hand it to you. Now who the fuck are you really, Jack? Brightner pulled a gun from the back of his shorts and pointed it at Jack Dillon. Whoa, Bert, what the fuck? You're scaring me, man. Please put the gun down. Come on, I got confused, that's all. Turn around slowly, no sudden movements. Seriously? Why? Stop pointing that gun at me and let's talk this over. I will not ask you again. Turn around. Jack did as Bart commanded. Bert, please, this is stupid. Why are you doing this, Jack? Began to walk forward, away from Bart, looking for an exit of some kind. Hold still, Jack. If you take one more step, I swear I'll shoot you. Shoot me because I screwed up your name? This can't be happening. Don't move, asshole. He cocked the gun and Jack stopped in his tracks. Shahid jumped on the horn and called in the cavalry. He called 911 and told the operator there was an officer in danger and to get every patrol car in the area over to the dock in front of Shirley's Bar and Grill. Stay put while I frisk you, said Breitner. Jack had no choice but to let him, up to a point. Breitner felt around and came across the wire, which he viciously linked out of Jack's shirt. On the other end, Shahid heard a high-pitched wail and promptly lost the signal. Jack was alone with the terrorist. Suddenly, Jack lunged forward and threw his body into Breitner with all the force he could muster. Breitner fell forward, banging his head against the wall. The gun dropped to the deck. Jack lunged for the gun, retrieved it, and turned back. Breitner was gone. Not knowing how many weapons were on the boat, Jack dashed for cover behind a wall. After a few more moments, he peeked around a corner and saw no one. The faint sound of a siren could be heard in the distance. Jack slowly moved forward toward the front of the boat, still no sign of Breitner. He stepped onto the bow and peered down into the cabin. He saw Breitner standing at the threshold, less than four feet away, holding a grenade, his fingers surrounding the pin. Drop the gun, Jack.
No fucking way, Bert. Honest mistake, Dylan? You knew all along? Of course I knew all along. You think I'm stupid? No, I think you're crazy, and I'm taking you in, Brenger. Over my dead body, Dylan. If need be, I have no problem with that. The sirens were getting louder. You're not taking me alive, Jack, and you aren't getting out of this alive either. Put down the grenade, Bart. You hear the sirens, don't you? Be sensible. No one got killed in Virginia. The attack on Dearborn was aborted. All you're guilty of right now is conspiracy to commit a terrorist act, which you can probably plead out. That's a lot better than dying or going to prison for murdering a cop, don't you think? Give it up, Bart. Fuck you, Dylan. Why don't you drop the gun? The siren sounded louder now. The cops were almost there. If I can just keep in talking a little while longer. I'm not dropping the gun. You hear the siren, don't you? It's over, Bart. You're not getting out of here. Manistee squad cars pulled up to the dock, and several Manistee police officers ran toward the boat. Shahid, Andy, and Noah followed shortly behind. Bye-bye, Dylan, said Brightner with an ominous look in his eyes, glaring at Jack. See you in hell, buddy. He pulled the pin and tossed the grenade at Jack. Jack hesitated a second before jumping onto the bow and diving into the water. The grenade exploded, sending boat debris flying in all directions. The policemen were thrown backward by the blast as debris rained down. All hell broke loose. That was Mark M. Bello reading a sample chapter from his latest book, Betrayal in Blue. It was an impressive reading from a very impressionable sounding book. Hey, don't forget to look in the show notes to find links for Mr. Bello and our sponsors and friends of the show. Also, please hit that subscribe button so that way next week you don't miss out when we come back with a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Take care. We'll see you again next week.